This is Steve Addison for the Movements Podcast. Podcast for people who want to multiply disciples and churches everywhere. Today we're going to listen in on a discussion that Fred Campbell had with a group of practitioners on what it takes to reach a whole city. So our story, I just want to uh, kind of pick up, we're, we're not uh, seminary trained, uh, we're, we're just an average family, four kids, and um, God put a burden on our heart that he opened the door for us to pursue, and we didn't really know what we were doing, but in the city that we, we are in, um, 90%, over 90% of the people in the city are unchurched and so we just found that incredible when we first learned that so we uh we had a business we sold the business that freed us up after a time to just go into the city and just look and just see god where are you working and see where he was working and join him in what he was doing and building relationships with all of the believers that were working in different parts of this city. And so we spent some number of months just surveying and just seeing what was happening. And uh, we, we really had a, a burden for um, adults. I used to uh, tell my wife, uh, we gotta find the people that are just like my parents, just uh, families of hardworking, uh, hardworking families, people are just, trying to make it and survive and how uh, we saw when I was a teenager, how we saw uh, when my dad came to Christ, everything changed in our family. Our whole lives, our, our, our whole family changed and was transformed. And I'm just so blessed to have that experience of seeing how the gospel really transforms the life of somebody my dad first, and then the rest of the family and see what that looked like. And uh, we just had a burden to see that. And God increased our burden to see the impact across the city when we saw the vast lostness in the city. And so we just prayed, my wife and I, and we just prayed. And he just led us to get some simple uh, breakfast food and to go out and just with our family for two and a half hours on five Saturday mornings before we've ever been trained um, in any of this that we're talking about today. And we would just go to the door and we just tell them who we were. And we would just say, we just want to say we care about you. We just want you to know. And then we'd ask them if we could pray for them. And we learned to ask this question, if God could do a miracle in your life right now, what would it be? And could we pray that for you? And then we would just shut up and we would listen and we would pray. And then when we would respond to them, we would just leave. We didn't try to push. We just thanked them for allowing us to pray for them and wished them a great day and left and went on to the next door. And so we had prayed about this one uh, facility and um, and on the last day, the last door we knocked on turned out to be a breakthrough. And uh, without, again, without any training and connecting and uh, um, 
um, sharing any of this. We had no training. We trained him how to share the gospel, and we just began to to disciple him in the best way that we knew how. And shortly after that, a pastor who uh, we met with, he, uh, he connected us to a training where we learned um, this this pattern, and and I, and I just want to say that um, that we've learned it's not even a method; it's it's Jesus' strategy, and uh, and, I, and I like it when we uh, when we hear it referred to as His strategy, because then it removes this this method, that method type of discussion, which uh, I'll come back to here a little bit later. But what we learned was that His his strategy was to enter, you know, to connect and to, uh, to gospel and share. And so the Lord put on our hearts to expand and just do more of what we were just doing. And so we, the Lord gave us 105 people uh, to go out um, on one Saturday morning, again, with a simple gift and prayer. And what we learned in our training was the obstacle, the barriers that were being experienced uh, some like uh, what you were talking about um, in, in some of your, your descriptions. And so we set out to pick as diverse of community types that we could. And so we picked 12 different types of communities to go in and do this, uh, this push. Um, we call it a house peace search. And we, we just reproduced that same pattern. And from that one Saturday morning, we found over 400 potential houses apiece. There were 400 households that received the simple gift and allowed us to pray for them in some sort of substantive way. And that turned out to be uh, between 45 and 50% of all the, the homes, the households that, that we had met. Obviously we knocked on many more doors than that. And so, uh, in fact, it turned out to be about 1,500 doors that we had um, we'd encountered that one Saturday morning. So the uh, um, the follow-up that began to follow the the discipleship to conversion and and, and filtering, just like uh, one of you described just a little bit ago, we would show back up and we would we waited two weeks before we came, and obviously with that many homes to follow up with a few people, um, we, uh, we weren't getting to the majority of them very fast. In fact, there were only, there were only three teams doing the follow-up initially. So we split up those 12 different communities and started to go back and we'd show back up and we just, we had their first name and we would just greet them by their first name and say, we were with the people that brought the simple gift and we would describe it. And then, uh, we'd say, we've come back to tell you a story. We want to tell you a story. And uh, we, we learned the House of Peace would just say, well, okay. Or they might say, uh, will it take long? And we'd say, oh, no. Or they would step out onto the front porch. Or they would just invite us in. Uh, sometimes they would just look confused. And we'd just say, can we come in? And they'd say, oh, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And we would go in and we'd have no chit-chat, no talk about anything. We'd sit down. And we would simply call them by the first name. So I'm going to uh, just use Tim's first name to illustrate. We just say, Tim, this is a true story from the word of God. 
And then we would tell the story from Luke 7, 36 to 50, in our own words. And after we tell that story, we'd say, this is a true story from the Word of God. And then we'd, we'd say, Tim, you know what? And then we would share, one of us would share our story with the gospel put inside of our story. And then we would ask a couple questions. We'd say, Tim, is what we're saying, does that make sense to you? And almost always, very rarely would they say anything, but, and then we'd say, we'd invite them to Christ. We'd say, Tim, is there any reason you wouldn't like the same free gift of forgiveness for all your mistakes and eternal life in heaven and Jesus as your personal boss? Is there any reason you wouldn't want to do that? And we would get one of three responses. We would get either, ah, I'm not ready to do that. I'm not ready to do that. And so if we heard that, we'd say, okay, Tim, can we come back to your house next week and tell you another story? And very often they would say yes or something like, you would do that? And we'd say, of course, we'd love to do that. And so then we would start a discovery Bible study using the three thirds meeting format. The other type of response was what we call, that's what we would call a yellow light. The other type of response would be a red light where they'd say, no, thank you. I don't want to do that. Thank you very much. They did that. We would just respond with kindness. The other response would be a green light. We'd ask them that question very often. They would say, no, there's no reason for me not to do that. And so we would lead them in a prayer or let them say a prayer directly to God in their own words. If we led them, we just lead them in a prayer of the gospel. And then after that, immediately we would open with this would be the first time we pull out any kind of printed matter. We'd pull out a, a, a Bible and we'd say, Tim, this is the most incredible decision in life you'll ever make. We got to show you these five verses. We got to read you these five verses. And we'd open our Bible to 2 Corinthians 5, and we'd read verses 17 through 21. We'd read those five verses and say, and quite often we'd, we'd show, let, let Tim follow right along with the verses so he could see it as I, as I read it. And then I'd ask, Tim, what just happened? Type of, we would just, uh, just ask this question and then provide the answer. Well, it says right here, Tim, you're a new creation, Tim. The old Tim is gone. A brand new Tim has come. And then we'd say, so Tim, the question is, how did it happen? And so he said, says right here, Tim, that an exchange was made. He took all of your mistakes, Tim, and he put them on Jesus on the cross. And Tim, he took the righteousness of Jesus and put that on you. That's how it happened, Tim. An exchange was made. So the question, Tim, is who are you now? Why did this happen? And we'd say, Tim, we see right here, he wanted to bring you, Tim, back to himself through Jesus. And not only that, he's made you his ambassador. Tim, you're his rep now. And he's given you what to say and what to do, the ministry and the message of reconciliation. What that means, Tim, he wants to use you to bring other people back to himself through Jesus. Isn't he awesome? And they'd smile, you know, and they nod their head. Sometimes they would go like, wait a minute, 
you mean what you just came here and you did? That's what I'm supposed to go do with every with everyone else. Because, yeah, you got it. We got it. And so we would immediately ask them this question. Do you know, Tim? Do you know any other people that are far from God? And people that have just come to that point in their life, they we found they know people far from God. And so we'd say, Tim, let's let's write that down. As soon as Tim started saying names, I'd get out the pen and paper and I'd start writing these down. Now, later, we learned to draw an Oikos map, which will come back. But back in that day, in the early days, we'd just make a list and we'd say, okay, Tim, are there any of these people? I'd take the list and I'd hand it to Tim. I'd say, Tim, is there anybody on here that you can go when we leave or even right now that you can tell what happened here today or tonight? And they'd look at the list and they they immediately go like, I could tell this person, tell this person without any kind of training. And there were sometimes like one guy, 45 year old man said, hold on just a minute. He picks up his phone. He called 45 year old man, picks up his phone. He calls, he says, just a minute, I'm gonna call my mom. And then he dials the number and he's waiting for her answer. And he says, now for the first time, I understand why she's been saying she's been praying for me all these years. He calls his mom and tells her what happened. No prompting from us. Then we would ask the people after they would do that. We would say, can we come back tomorrow or the next day, Tim, and train you how to tell your story with Jesus' story inside of it in less than three minutes? It'll take us about an hour or an hour and a half to practice because we'll want to practice. And so very often, almost always, They would either say, yeah, tomorrow, that's good. Every once in a while, they'd say, oh, you know, I got to work or whatever. And we'd schedule it for next week. A few times they'd say, no, not tomorrow. Can you come back tonight? I need to get my wife. She's at work right now. Can you come back tonight? This is very important. She's got to hear this. So sometimes it was immediate, but very often they would allow us to come back right away in the first 48 hours and start training them how to tell their story with Jesus' story inside of it. So after we started to follow up and do this, we found that out of those 12 communities, one of those communities, God was working big time. We saw over 60 people come to Christ in less than two months in one community. And other communities, maybe a dozen in a couple communities, maybe only four or five. In one community, nobody. So what we did then is we shifted the few teams that we had and we divvied up where we were going to go discipling. And so wherever we were discipling and following back, following up, we would use the seven commands of Christ using the T for T3, three-thirds format for discipleship. Or we would use stories of hope. It was pre-conversion of discipleship. And so we learned very quickly, the point I'm trying to make, we were way over our heads. We didn't have enough people to follow up. Um, you, were, you were talking about that, um, uh, uh, Gerard, and that was what we encountered in those first few months. And so we just, we just prayed our response to having not enough workers is we would just pray every day, Lord of the harvest, would you send workers 
into your harvest field. And here's what we learned. He sent people from the outside into the harvest, but he also raised up workers from inside the harvest field. And that was the, uh, that was the incredible thing. And then the other thing that, we, we, uh, that surprised me, my lack of faith, that one community where we saw so many people come to Christ, we began after we got uh, through maybe the second or third week, we began to see the bond that they were having with us because we could, we could meet with them morning, afternoon, evening. Their, their schedules were all over the place in this community. So we got to see lots of people every day. And we saw the bond that they were building with us and us with them was growing deep. And we're going like, uh-oh, what do we do, Lord? Because we're not going to be able to maintain trying to disciple all of these people. And there was a, a pastor that came into the harvest field with us on uh, May 31st, and the very first, he wanted to see what does this look like, and the very first door that we touched for follow-up, the very first one, uh, he saw a mother come to Christ. The very next door we touched, he saw a yellow light. man said, no, I'm not ready to do that, and he said, uh, we said, could we come back next week and tell you another story. And he said, you would do that? And the pastor that was with me, we've been together for less than an hour. He said, of course we would do that. <laughs> and so uh, then the very next door is a, a man that has uh, just arrived from Iran just the night before and moved into this community. And uh, to make a long story short, he becomes his house. He was a Christian, was persecuted in Iran and uh, put in prison for a year. And uh, his home became the base of operation in that community. It's where we would all uh, gather together because we needed uh, uh, translators. We had like four different languages of people in, in this community. Uh, most of them were Spanish speakers, but there were Sudanese and, and, and others. Uh, besides this Iranian. And so that pastor comes and we go back that later that night, that same day, we go back later that night, we take the, the man from Iran with us and this pastor, and the, the one door that we knock on that night, the whole family comes to Christ, a family of five come to Christ. And the pastor is coming out of, of that door and he's, he's looking at me and he's saying, now, how many people have come to Christ in this community? We tell him, he said, we could plant a church here right now. And we said, hallelujah, amen. And so we began to go around to each of the families that we were discipling every day, these uh, families. And we would ask him, hey, there are many other people in this community that are just like you. What do you think about gathering together with the rest of these and being church together in this community? And to my surprise, all of them said, yeah, that's, that's, yeah, that's a good idea. Or they'd say, yeah, I'll do that. And so immediately we gathered them and had church and began to meet weekly. It, it, it kind of divided where part of the church, the leaders began to emerge very rapidly. Those that were obeying, it was really clear. And then the, the rest of them that were just wanting to gather and worship together, that those two different groups became very clear. And the leaders began to meet on another night of the week. 
they still met uh, on Sunday morning. They're outdoors. Their, uh, their vision was to never have a building and just meet outdoors in this community. And when they did that, that allowed, when that happened, they, when the leaders began to meet on another night, that allowed us to give those leaders some training, just like this connecting and sharing, just field one and two. And boom, they went and they led 40 more people, 40 more adults in their community to Christ in less than two months. And so it began to uh, to grow very dramatic. That's a real challenge. And uh, from the standpoint of from uh, all of these are, are new believers and they're just so excited. They uh, uh, one of them takes up the, the role of of preparing a big meal for a holiday, um, getting the resources and the people, nothing from the outside, all from inside the community and doing that and putting that on for the whole church and inviting others in the church. And then soon after that, we went to go visit them on their leadership night. We show up and there's only like three or four of them in there out of the normal 20. And we said, where is everyone? Is everyone okay? And they said, uh, um, they're gone. And I said, well, what do you mean they're gone? They said, what your wife came to do here for us, they've gone now to four other communities to do the same thing in those communities. And they went and they just reproduced the whole thing. That breakfast food, they got together and they cooked it themselves. And they went out and they did the same thing in these other communities. And out of those three more communities, churches were formed and are still ongoing and, and proceeding. And so uh, that, uh, uh, maybe I should stop there for just a moment, Tim. Uh, is it okay if I go on for, for a few more minutes? Yeah, sure. Okay, thank you. And so what we found was that in those first number of months, um, which was um, in, in 2013, what we learned was that God was at work everywhere that we went. And what we found was there were certain communities where he was working, it was clear he was working much more. And so we would focus on those communities. And so we handed off all those. God kept providing more and more believers that were not as apostolic. They were very pastoral. They said, I want to I disciple men or I want to disciple women and go deep. And I want to stay with them. We said, we've got just the people for you. And so they stepped up and we stepped away and went and did searches, pushes, House of Peace searches, pushes into more communities, and we found the same kind of results. Then it happened in the suburbs. We went out and, and there was a pastor in the suburbs, and uh, he was saying, I don't know, I don't think we're going to have that kind of receptivity that you're seeing in the city. And so, again, we said, okay, let's pick as many diverse types of communities that we can in the suburbs. Let's go into single-family neighborhoods. It's going to single family neighborhoods that are they're different from one another. And let's go into apartments in the uh, these different ed cities. And so when that happened, pastor contacts us later that day and said, I wouldn't have believed it. I've not seen it. The receptivity was over 70 percent on average in these communities. It went up in the, in the suburbs. And we were just praising God through all of that. So that 2013 then 
comes to a, a close that's from April to October, November of 2013. And then in December, God brings in Tim, brings in uh, Jeff Sundell, Steve Smith, Bill Smith, Inkai, uh, a few other folks, and uh, just turns the place upside down in this way. They expanded our vision from seeing Austin to having a, a, a vision of Romans 15:23 of no place left. No place left without the gospel. No place left. And uh, that really helped us because when, when our vision expanded, we began to say, okay, what are the lessons? What are the clues, you know, that we've seen here that line up with the book of Acts? And so, you know, some of those things were, hey, just just go and, and, and attempt to start movement to reach an entire area and utilize Jesus' strategy, which is not us parachuting in and saying, how many, how many people can we lead to Christ? But going in and looking, searching for those houses of peace, those houses of peace, because in those houses of peace, then they became the base of operations and they became the places where the rest of those communities could be reached. So, for example, we tweaked the House of Peace strategy, the push, where when we would go in, we would leave the majority of the community left unreached on the push. Initially, we went in and we just saturate the whole community ourselves. But what we learned was we didn't leave capacity for the House of Peace to reach in his own community. And so we learned that lesson. And so the, the, what I'm trying to say is that we, we began to then train and look and say, okay, where can we go and go for movement and, and just see where God is moving? And so what we learned to do was to begin to probe with our pushes in a variety of places rather than go in and, and have a, a, a large push in one community. We'd split that up into a number of small groups, into a number of different communities, and we go in and probe and say, okay, what is God, what's God doing in this community? And what's he doing in this community? And what, he's, what is he doing in this community? And what surprised us is that we found that we just kept getting surprised. We went in with uh, young single families. They wanted to go into, after a training, they wanted to go into gated communities. And we said, why? And they said, because that's where the people that are just like us, that's where they live. I said, okay. And so that, those, that particular group of just six couples, they got some friends and they went with, with them. They went into six different gated communities, all within one square mile of one another. And we'd never encountered what happened that day. Two of those teams had 100% receptivity. Now, they were only carrying like eight or 10 gifts, but to have 100% receptivity, we're going, like, I don't care what kind of neighborhood it is. We just hadn't experienced that. We were learning something new. And it was, uh, it was just beautiful to see that everyone 
that was involved in this were all saying nothing about the gift. They weren't talking about, you know, the method. They were all talk about God is working. God is doing things that we've never experienced that before, experienced before. And so the other surprise was that the House of Peace certs, the push, became a mobilization strategy to get more existing believers into the harvest field in a very simple way. They would be trained that morning before they would go out. And then they would go out and come back and we'd share stories and they would all they would come back and say things like, this is incredible. It's like the young families would say, this is the first thing that we've ever been able to do together as a family with preschoolers and young children that we all enjoyed. We had people come back saying, I've never experienced anything like this. We had one family come back and the mom said, look, you don't understand. I can't get my 14 year old daughter to do anything with me. And she wept while we were out together. And she turned to me and she said, mom, when can we do this together again? And so we, we saw all kinds of evidence of how God was working in the lives of the believers as they went into the harvest field. And so we were always careful to come back and share those stories and let everyone that went out. And another lesson that we learned was that we learned, because some of these uh, uh, searches, we'd have 100 people or 70 people or 50 people. And we'd find a great deal of excitement, but what we learned was the accountability wasn't as strong as if you had a search that was of a smaller group. So if we had, you know, uh, 50 teams or 25 teams that would want to go, um, because when, when this word starts getting out about this, this is an area where a lot of existing believers, this is an easy on-ramp for them to say, okay, I'll go try that. But what we found was if we if we split them up into smaller groups, the accountability was tighter and the interest was greater to do the follow up instead of being in kind of a in a, in a large mass group of people and saying, oh, that was incredible. That was a nice experience. OK, see you later. And so that was a, that was a big lesson that we we did not anticipate is that doing the house of peace, doing the push together is a way to mobilize people into the harvest for them to get their feet wet and see and allow God to change their mind. So for example, in our city, the, 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 uh, the very common thought was the people in this city, they're not receptive. They're not receptive to people coming to your door and they don't want whatever you got. And so when they would go, and they would experience and have the experiences that other people were shared with them as well, it changed their lives. And so we shifted then, when we had all of those people going out, we shifted to just say, okay, because um, at this point there's there's a team of, uh, of about eight people, and, and those people said, okay, you two, you and your wife, you focus on training more people in the city, you, you train, 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 and the rest of us will keep doing the discipleship and, uh, and, and more uh, uh, gospel, uh, 
House of Peace searches, pushes. And so then we shifted, and that's what we would do. We would just, uh, each week, would be like setting up appointments for business and just pursue a mission of awareness and say, we just want, with the fruit that we had, we want to make you aware of what's happening here in this town, and that we would tell them this is bigger and tell them what was happening around the U.S. and what was happening around the world. So we would cast vision and invite them, you can come to this free training, and we just would offer them every weekend. We did that 17 of 25 weekends last year. And so we, we learned a lot, and it was very helpful. And out of that, what our goal was that we were praying for was to see God raise up another 10 to 12 people that could train and take that role. And so that's what he did. He raised up people that can do that. They trained with us. They trained with others in the uh, No Place Left um, group here in the USA. And now they'll train as needed. And now we're focusing on trying to take that fruit that God has given us and help see them those existing uh, chains of, of churches and, and disciple-making groups get to the fourth generation and beyond. That's all we have time for right now. Stay tuned for the second half in the next Movements Podcast. If you've enjoyed the Movements Podcast, why don't you jump on iTunes and leave a review or pass on a recommendation to someone who'd be interested.